right, welcome back to the I'm Your Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. There you <laughs> And today we have a YCS champion Ugh. who happens to be one of the only Caucasian Americans to win YCS Atlanta, uh, which was predominantly held by minorities mm. before him. Corey Roca is here. Corey, how are you feeling today? I'm good. I'm real good. Uh, so to get us started, Corey, uh, me and Corey actually talked recently. He came to AU a couple months ago. I want to say it's been now. Time is moving so fast. A couple months ago, he came to AU while we were all playing like Edison format and other kids were playing modern and I hadn't seen him in years. Um, you know, he's been through some, some battles with Yu-Gi-Oh and, you know, it was nice seeing like an old friend, somebody who's a, a legitimate competitor in the scene around the Philadelphia area for a long time. I know Corey, you recently, well, not recently, but you moved at some point and opened up your own shop. So give us some insight on like what you've been up to these last couple of years and like what it was like opening up your own store and that type of thing. Um, well, uh, opening up your own store is definitely one of the hardest things you can do. Um, I, I would argue it's probably, it's way more difficult than competing in tournaments, mm -hmm. but, uh, it, it worked out fine. Uh, I ended up selling my, my company, um, well, not really selling my company, basically just shutting my doors and then working at, for someone else. And then January 1st, actually, of this coming year, my I'm going to be opening back up my store. OK, so you, you, you got out the business for a little bit and now you're getting back in and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to give it another try. Maybe you have some new insight into like things that you want to do differently this time. Is that what's is that what's happening? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we were very successful, but it was just like. I had other opportunities and I I've been really pursuing bowling right now. So it's been, uh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Yeah. So I definitely do want to talk to, to you about like life outside of, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh and things like that. But I guess to back all the way up, uh, since you are, you know, you're a YCS champion, you have a ton of tops from what I understand. I don't know exactly how many, so I'm just going to ask you just to get the question out the way. Do you know how many tops you have? Uh, I actually don't know. It's not that many. I don't. I don't think it's that many. I feel it's like, been a long time. Okay. The only reason I feel like it's a, a lot because when I was quitting is when you were heating up. Like I literally was on my way out in zoo format. I remember that. Yeah. I was on my way out, and that's when you were constantly like either getting like top four. I remember you were very close, and there was even a point where I think you walked up to me at an event. And you said, "Always a bridesmaid, never a bride." <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I responded and was like, I mean, one day it will just be you. Uh, if you keep going the way you're going. And that was, it was just kind of the quickest exchange. Cause you were obviously not in a good mood, which I understand after I lose, I don't exactly want to have like long conversation with people. It's kind of annoying and obnoxious. I mean, you have a very similar personality about how passive aggressive we can be. So I just was like, you know, I understand your frustration. One day it'll be you. And I just kind of kept it moving. You kept it moving. And that was into that. And then lo and behold, you ended up winning uh, YCS Atlanta in 2017 with Paleozoic, right? Yes, Paleo. So are you because Paleozoic was not meta at the time. It wasn't it wasn't the deck. I think like obviously Zoo was the deck at the time. And yes. something I know about you from our past, because we played each other countless times. You at least ten, yeah. Yeah, we played each other a lot. I mean we 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 literally went to the same locals for ten plus years. So like yeah. you tend to play anti meta often. I'm actually remembering specifically me and you playing each other in Dragon Roller format and you were using fucking Evil Swarm. Like you have just been always from what I remember like sometimes you do obviously play like this is the best deck. This is what people are on and I'm I'll play that too, but 
are you more uh are you more keen to playing anti-meta is that like a part of who you are as a Yu-Gi-Oh player um so basically when i started i i thought i was good at that time probably around like 2016 is where i was like okay i actually understand how to win but but uh, but by also playing my own game you know Mm -hmm. um i was like all right if you play the best deck in the room there are nine spots completely devoted against you right off the bat in every side deck yes okay so i mean good luck drawing twin twister (laughs) i I don't know to tell you (laughs) yeah so you so you but do you like to take the anti-meta approach because like like you play evil swarm playing evil swarm and dragon rollers is like a clear like i do not want to play the because you could have also just played uh what's the prophecy right you could play spell books or or you could have just played dragon rollers like everybody else like me and you chose to be like i'm playing the evil swarm deck uh mccabe at the time was playing fucking constellar right so you guys are both like mccabe naturally is anti-meta i know that about him yes oh 100 if everyone's going left he's going right i am yes yeah but like paleozoic because it kind of has a good matchup against zoo if you get set up right like you you have that one really ignorant trap card that resets itself of a a monster summon from the extra deck i forget exactly what it's called lost Uh, win yes that was in your deck obviously right when you won yes and i actually got to see some of your top cut match matches and you know just surviving like denko seka is really important at the time uh but tell us a little bit about like how it was winning that ycs like what was what was the grind like how, how did you do in swiss you know who did you play in top cut just give us insight on like what led to it um uh, realistically uh it, it was it was kind of just like took paleozoic last minute um i ha- went to a case tournament actually at L Central at the time, and I think now uh, other people own it. I think it's Gamer's Choice or something like that. Okay, I, I think it's one of those. I, and um, I it it was crazy. I I lost to Lil Jeff actually in top four of that tournament. This is in New York. And, um, no, not New York. This okay. was this was in Pennsylvania. Actually, I think Christian owns it now. Oh, I was gonna say because Gamer's Choice, I think, is a New Jersey slash New York store owned by. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, it's uh, I think it's the one that Christian now okay. owns. Okay. He owns one in uh where is it? Uh, Allentown, Allentown, something like that. Allentown, okay. PA, I think sure. it is. Maybe Reading. I don't know. One of those places. Isn't it's in a rural yep. part of PA, not Philly. Yes. No. Um I am pretty sure it's that one. Yep. Okay. And um I lost to Lil Jeff in top 4 and he just like kaijued me to death. And I was like, how does that actually happen? How do I play Paleozoic? It's all back row and lose to kaijus. And um, I was like, you know what? Forget it. You know, nobody's going to be playing kaijus outside of like an actual slumber engine. Right. And I should just be fine. I won't be able to put like free bodies on the field. So I ended up still taking it. Um, I started out 7-0. and um, I would say a majority of my events, like the ones I top, I usually go about 7-0 and or I lose round two. But my Me first too. Loss, yeah. First loss in Swiss uh was to another paleozoic player and um i thought it was like the weirdest thing ever he just happened to be playing 60 card paleozoic i was like man that's like crazy and i remember even thinking like i was like man that deck's actually better than mine i hope he doesn't top (laughs) (laughs) and uh like the event right after this joshua smith actually won with 60 card paleo so you know this time, yeah, I already knew that it was the best deck at that point. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Obviously, games one and three, he opens grass, and I, I just walk I just walk away. Yeah. We're done here. Like you don't you didn't need, he didn't need an opponent for what he did to you. No, no. He 
I could have been a blank chair. Yeah, I love those matches. I love the ones where I just get absolutely fucking scraped and I get to go about my business. <laughs> like, it, I didn't need to sit down at all. You just kind of, they were playing solitaire and you just happen to be the person in front of them. Sometimes, sometimes it's nice because it's like, man, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. And now I got time to eat. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of stress off when you get creamed quickly. Like, when it's just like easy clap, zero difficulty. Like, you put up no fight whatsoever. The person just yeah. runs you over and they go about their day. They probably, a lot of times, it's people who you don't even know. Like, it's just like some random person. Like, rarely is it somebody you're like, okay, this person's good. I need to prepare for like them to make really high technical plays and stuff like that. It's like, nope, I've never yes. heard of this person in my life. And it just absolutely <laughs> fucking railroaded me out the game. It's always those. Yeah. It's always those. Yeah. Oh me, me and you, one of the things I, I love about our relationship has always been like, we just have a very um, sarcastic way to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh and just the game and like the players and a like lot of yeah, yeah and a lot of it is inappropriate like yeah. a lot of it a lot of it won't make it to this podcast but we just have one of those relationships where we just kind of talk about how people you know like they slobber at the table like they're just sitting there like trying their hardest to do the do whatever i don't know can. how they shuffle their cards honestly yeah you're like i'm surprised you have sleeves like it's just <laughs> that that has always been a thing but I, i've enjoyed that um okay so yeah you ended up taking it what did you did you just play against zoo in the finals i forget um so out of my 16 rounds of play i 16. played against 14 rounds of zoo oh okay so uh Eesh. i was going to do a a tournament report at the end and for my team's channel at the time i basically just said i played zoo and that was it like yeah. it was just zoo what were the two other decks was it mirror matches like it was, uh, they what? were one of them was paleozoic yep and then the other one was actually uh grass um the other grass infernoid okay uh yeah that oh. deck i just don't like i hate grass decks like that shit was so degenerate that was yeah. just a degenerate time in Yu-Gi-Oh. Not to say that Fusion Substitute Zoo was any better, but like Grass that was, was invented at, at that event, Atlanta. Yes, I remember because then after that I started playing it and I played it for like an ARG. I remember topping the ARG. Uh but Fusion Substitute that so that is what made me quit. I quit on Fusion Substitute Zoo. Like that that was too much for me. I could no longer deal with the game. I was like, all right, this is at the point where I'm like maining dd crow or like siding dd crow in against zoo and all that and if you don't draw an immediate hand trap like maxi or something they just go like yeah. plus seven on you and you're just holding just, I, it just wasn't fun uh but that I was definitely playing competitively during goki where it was if i don't open a hand trap they, yeah, yeah, they don't get to even begin playing yeah they actually like take all your cards not even yeah not even jokingly like you actually can't play the game yeah. uh yeah that's tw that's 2018 right goki because i definitely did not play yeah. in that format i didn't play a single game in goki format but yeah the game went into like a very dark period because it was like goki sky striker and i think at one point pendulum ftk became a deck mommy's in the living room oh, oh. sorry okay, <laughs> uh yeah so i think i think there was goki uh you know, there's Sky Striker, obviously, at, at some point, and then you had the Dark Pendulum, like FTK deck or whatever. And yes. I just was, I was judging regionals at the time. Like, I was just completely judging, and I had no intent on playing after seeing what I saw. People just losing on turn one consistently. It was like, yep, you, you tried to stop me. One hand trap was simply not enough. I'm going to FTK you now with my Pendulum deck. And yep. it was it was very consistent, and I just did not I did not enjoy what I was seeing. So I I was like I have no incentive to come back, and then I just kind of continued. Like the game just continued to be that way, where maybe you didn't get FTK literally, but 
people were getting FTK regardless for this next several formats. Like, okay, Thunder Dragons, like turn one, they set up a board where you can't play either. It's like, all right, well. I know. Um, so yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh has changed a lot since I stopped playing. And it's probably changed a lot since you've stopped playing as well. Like even right now, yeah. the game is probably not similar to the way it was in 2018. Like 2022, Yu-Gi-Oh! Ishizu tier, Thunderies, like those are the two biggest decks. And I guess like I mean, Sprite to some degree tried to stay like somewhat up to date um yeah. but i remember I, like you can ask everybody in in, in this area we all sat down right mm-hmm. i had the whole tier deck made i actually bought it from xavier from locals the the one you were at okay <laughs> and um i sat down i did I, I i i put up my board i was like man this isn't anything but like this was before the ruckalos and all that the newer stuff I was just like, this is like, I'm putting up nothing, but it's just too much. Yes. It's well, actually just, I, I think it's one of the strongest decks of all time. Like, not even Yeah, close. Yeah, I think it is too. Uh, I had to come to terms with that as well. Like, I always think of strongest decks of all time, and like one of them being Pepe Bosch. That deck yes. is just like, it, most decks in the history of Yu-Gi-Oh!, including now i think will lose to that deck going set three fucking solemn strikes summon cyber dragon infinity summon raflesia pass and like i just don't imagine you're going to play through three solemn strikes and and a monster that protects them and like they have a full hand too and follow up and it's just like maxi's in that format as well so they might have maxi it's just a lot going on uh but the the tier deck is scary because it can play on both people's turns like actually not even jokingly like actually play on both people's turns and it doesn't put up like some crazy like triple negate and all that board, but it does do a lot of ignorant things and it goes really plus. I mean, it, you lose the game both ways. You figure if you go first with Ariadne Pepe, you're yeah. losing to back row and front row. If you play against, if you're playing tier and you go first, you're losing to front row and back row. Yeah. It's those decks that can cover like, Oh, I have something in grave that can stop you. I have something on my back row that can stop you. I have something on my front row that can stop yeah. you. And it's like, how do you cover all three? Yeah, it's, it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. Well, how did you even get into Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, what was... When did you start playing? How old were you? Uh, I was 12. Okay, that's around a, that's around when I started playing, I think. I was yeah. 12, 13. Yeah, I didn't even watch the show. I wasn't into anime or anything. I don't even think we had could afford cable okay. at the time. I'll just um, take that so question think, off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask, did, did you, you watch, watch did, did you, you watch, watch the show? It? Did you watch the anime? Yeah. <laughs> was, I'll just delete that question right now. Go ahead. You know, I'll continue. Right? So yeah, you didn't watch the anime, uh, but you how did you like get into the cards and stuff? What happened? Uh basically the lunch table at school. I, there's these kids playing and um they were all like, you know, this is like the foundation of games seven colored fish yes i remember the first kid that walked into our school with like a gemini elf like he was rendered sultan on the spot it was <laughs> yeah you couldn't do it do anything to him yeah what am no. i gonna do what am i I'm actually a Tatsumi giant and um the first deck i actually ended up building uh, i'll never forget it was it was gravity it, it just goes to show what i was playing then and where i ended up going in the future but i played um the princess, where every time you, you play the princess, the solemn wishes card in gravity bind. So every time I gain life, my opponent loses five life. Mm. So I was sitting, I was still <laughs> playing uh, the, the whatever it was called deck. I was like, all right, if everybody's trying to attack me and everybody's just trying to draw better attackers, why not just shut down all their attacking and burn them? Yeah, so, so it sounds like you do have a natural anti meta spirit. Like you naturally want to 
kind of counter to meta has always been a part of how you played the game it's it's very strange just like thinking about that right now actually puts that into perspective yeah because i try to figure out what kind of player everyone is because i am a person who i do like a bit of anti-meta myself like i have played my fair share like obviously i'm also very competitive so i will just play the best deck in formats where i feel like there is nothing that can really contend with it but oftentimes i found myself doing shit like playing gravekeepers for example or you know i've played i've made my own homebrews and play like metal foe magic specters and like I, I think you actually are the person who interviewed me when I talked with that deck in Minneapolis in 2016. I did. Yeah, yes. yeah, you actually did that interview. That was like that was my last top, and then after that, I think the well, my last white, my last Konami top, and then I believe I topped sure. that ARG or whatever with uh, Fusion Substitute Zoo. But then after that, I was like, all right, I'm I'm good on this. Like, I in general, I, I'm I, okay now. Yes, but in general, I think I sometimes just go. Like anti, like I played Karakuri before at a YCS, and like I didn't talk with it, but I I try. I won an Xbox tournament that Friday before, and Karakuri like theoretically could do some good things against plants, which was the best deck at the time. Uh, I've tried to go anti Dino Rabbit. Yes, I've I've done Dino Rabbit when it was like I played an anti meta version of Dino Rabbit with macro and all that. I've uh, I played wind ups when they were not the best deck anymore like i've always tried to go and change things up and then sometimes you're just like i can't go against i can't swim against the current i'm just gonna play what's actually the best like dragon rulers for something something i find interesting about what you said is like i find there's more than one reason why people play different decks and styles like anti-meta like i find there's a group of people play anti-meta because they're almost scared of the meta they're scared to play those cards they don't want to play those cards they have too much pride to play those cards they don't want to deal with it or they're not confident they can do it but then there's another side of it where it's a it's solving a puzzle. And what you said was interesting, like, oh, if everybody's playing this way, how do I right. like how do I deal with that? How do I blah blah blah? And it, it sounded more like solving a puzzle and less like playing out of fear, which I think is a, a more healthy approach of going about building a deck or building a deck that's quote unquote anti meta. because um, that prob like that terminology didn't exist when you were playing in grade school or whatever grade it was yeah there was no such it thing was anti-meta it was you just solving a problem oh gravity bind stops all this bullshit yep it, it was <laughs> such a good one <laughs> what's your uh what's your favorite thing about Yu-Gi-Oh? like what is the reason why you are so passionate about the game and have dedicated a good portion of your life to it deck building i love building decks there's only been three times three times where i guess i could say like okay i i topped with necroz wind up mm-hmm. And I know there was one other deck that was like it was actually like the best of what it was at a time. Oh, and one dragon roller. One we had only one of each roller. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the only times that I've topped like the best deck. I like I get so much pride out of. Oh, everybody, that's cool. You you went online last night. I already know what you're playing. <laughs> you changed three cards, and now I'm about to body you with something that you have no idea you're about to see. Yeah. And that was like, that was like so fulfilling for me. I don't know what it was, but um, I, I would say I lost with the best deck so much more than I lost with a deck that I actually practiced with and sat at my kitchen table with and ran the numbers on. And Yeah, I agree yeah. with what you're saying because I have been there for a lot of your bad beats and... Yeah. I, like again we have that funny relationship where you'll just say like the most absurd thing after like a loss it'll be so sarcastic <laughs> and it'll just be like one of those moments or like it'll be me like yep he uh he had 29 cards left in his deck and heavy storm was the only card he could have possibly drawn and of course he yep. drew it of course he did why wouldn't he 
and it's just like <laughs> yeah but it's so satisfying though like winning with the best deck is one thing because it's like okay my deck is way superior to like everything that's not this or, or supposedly it is uh but when you when you do something that's kind of like off meta or you have some like crazy tech choices or you're just like on something completely different than the rest of the room uh if it does feel really good to succeed with that and in those moments so absolutely yeah i know i know that feeling you're describing i was going to say like how do you test for events and who is your favorite testing partner? Now, I actually already know the answer to that question, but I'm just going to ask it anyway for the sake of the podcast. So, all right. Contrary to popular belief, um, I do not like testing with anyone. Oh, shit. I don't test. And there are so even my and this is this is one of the reasons why I'm not as like uh, when it comes to like, oh, like creating a group and everything like that. I looked at this. Everyone's my competitor. Um, sure. Um, sure. I can learn things from you, but if you take something and learn it from me and I spend more time, it's like going to school, working your ass off, you know, making the best paper in the room. And then somebody plagiarizes it the, yeah. the night before. Uh, I mean, I just feel like I had more to give, uh, than I could receive at that point in time. Okay. So it's not Steve McMurdy. <laughs> That's my brother. All right, that's my son. Like, he's because the question is like, who's your favorite testing partner slash travel companion? And it's my favorite person. Yeah, but but like yeah. you prefer you prefer to like do everything yourself and hopefully not have it backfire on you if you were to try to test with somebody and they learn you the person or learn like what you're on and then it gets used against you and the, like the off chance that that actually comes up. I understand that 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 is a that is a mindset that I used to have very strongly because I always felt like I have I feel I feel the way you do most people who want to test with me or want to create some kind of uh, group and stuff I, I don't always feel like we're all on the same level and you know as harsh as it is to say it's like I don't think I'm going to learn something from you but you 100% will learn something from me and again that was the mindset that I used to have I don't care that mindset anymore because I do think that you can learn something from everyone now like I truly do because I've I've learned things from from like Gus for example somebody who plays like the most random shit right but every once in a while like he'll come up with an idea that is so off meta so random most people didn't even read this card in the set most people didn't even know the card existed in the set and i'll be like this is actually kind of fucking broken like this is act like not even kid like this is just straight up broken and no one no one realizes it and that kind of stuff is like cool to it only happens once in a while but like when it does happen it can literally be like you can win a tournament off of it it could be meta defining it could be it's so funny uh, you're saying that do you know mark reed no i i don't I don't think so, unless I know him by like okay. seeing him. He's physically, a Delaware but... duelist. He's a Delaware duelist that, for the most part, only played at Days of Nights. He's the person I learned about loss win from. I played locals uh, against him, and I was testing Zoo, and he loss winded me. I had to pick that card up, read it three times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love at that. At that point, I want. I was like, oh, a trap that resets itself, and I can play Paleozoic, so it's like I get two triggers on all of my cards. I have to play that deck. So, in in a nutshell, he definitely he has a piece of my trophy. Yeah, he, like he influences it. it. He does. He has a piece of it. And yes. that's what I mean. Like, so that and granted, that can come without you testing with the guy. Like, you could just be you could just play him at locals and be like, oh, what the fuck is this? And then you read it three times, and it's like, and you know, once you read a card in a match in the middle of a match, you probably lost. Like, we just know. Yeah. Like, oh, it's too late. Yeah, it's that's like a real life 
video like that's the show in the show you know you activated my trap card and then next thing you know the trap card just does way too many fucking things that conveniently happen to destroy you in your situation right now (laughs) that's so funny yeah uh i was gonna say do you have like a top cut misplay that haunts you or that you think about often or like that you used to think about often uh i'll give you an example before so think about that question and i'll i'll give mine first like a top cut misplay that i made that like really I'll never forget it. It doesn't haunt me anymore, but like it, it haunted me at the time. So I was playing X Sabres uh, because at the time uh, McCabe had topped a lot with X Sabres and he had even won a couple of prize cards with X Sabres. And I hated the deck like the way he hated plants. So I was the plant player and he was the X Sabre player. And we both were doing well at the time. Like we both were topping YCSs and stuff, but he had consistently done it with X Sabres over and over and over again. So I was like, fuck it. I can top with anything. I'm going to play X Sabres. I'm going to be you for an event and top with X Sabres and like go against the plant deck. So I played X Sabres for YCS Providence 2011 and I ended up topping the event and it was actually one of the easiest tops I ever had. Like, honestly, I realized that I realized the reason why he was topping so much with the deck. People just don't know how to play against X Sabres at that time. Like they just would attack a face down Ember's Blade and like the game was just absolutely over. Like, why are you attacking face down monsters? Like, what are you doing? Uh, but like, so I realized, like, oh, this is actually super easy. Like, I just literally set Emmer's Blade, set seven tools in a bandit, and the game's over. Like, you attack, I get fucking Dark Soul. Next turn, I go summon Full Helm Knight, summon Fall Troll. You trying to trap me? I go seven tools, and the game, like, it just falls apart. Make Hanley pop all your back row, Fall Troll, bring back this guy. Decks. It feels so good. One of the best decks I've ever played. Honestly, I wish that I played it sooner and realized that like. There's a reason why your best friend is over here destroying everybody and getting top four, top three, and all this at YCSS multiple times with this deck. It's it was genuinely very easy to to beat people with. But I get to top 32 at YCS Providence, and uh I play against, I think, the only really weird deck in top cut, which was Herald the Perfection, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I ended up playing against Herald the Perfection. But that's not even why I lost. What what actually the misplay that haunts me is that I didn't know how Poshul worked like X Saber Poshul. Uh, he's the guy. That, yes, he's the guy that on the standby phase he activates to deal a thousand damage to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm pretty sure I was beating the guy down with like a Doom Caliber Knight. Like I, I'm pretty sure I had a Doom Caliber Knight on the field, and I'm like attacking the fairy guy. And at some point, I probably have Fall Troll in my hand or something. So. I was like, all right, I'll do an in-phase Reinforced Truth. For people who don't know what Reinforced Truth is, it's a trap card that says, special summon a level two warrior monster from your deck. Uh, so I in-phase Reinforced Truth, summon Poshul, I draw for turn, and I'm like, I thought that it was a maintenance cost, that thousand life points. Like, I didn't think that it was an effect that activates and uses the chain. So standby phase comes around, and my opponent's like, all right, well, you're a Doom Caliber Knight, and your Poshul will die. Because Poshul activates and kills it. And I was like, what? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like and Doom Caliber is mandatory, right? It is mandatory. And it, I think oh, Doom Caliber God. tributes for cost at that. So oh. so I lose Reinforced Truth, the Doom Caliber Knight, my setup for Fall Troll. He no longer has to worry about Doom Caliber Knight. And it just I just instantly lose the game. And I and I'm pretty sure that was like game two and I lost game one or something like that, because he opened up real nice game one. Uh, or whatever however it ended up happening. I'll never forget that because that was one of those things where I just didn't know the rules and the actual way the cart worked because I, when I say I literally picked up the deck and just played it because I saw how well McCabe was doing with it. And I just, I basically was saying to him, like, I can, anything you can do, I can do. Like, I can definitely play this. I can definitely top it. I've seen you do it enough times. We've played each other enough times. I'm not even going to test it. Like I did not test X Sabres before that event. I literally just picked up and played it 
and top with it because I it was that the deck was so fucking broken and it was that like easy for me to technically outplay people with that deck. Uh, very very easy deck to play with at the time for me, but. I didn't know the intricacies of stuff like that. Like I didn't know that it was like chain link one partial activate. I thought it was like, I can, yeah. I can see why that would haunt you. Cause that's like one of those things where you feel like you're, you're a good enough player where you shouldn't have did, done that. Yes. It's, like, it's, it, that, that's a play it, that like, it doesn't like if somebody did that to you, you'd laugh at them yes. internally. You wouldn't do it out loud, but, but maybe yes. you'd do it out loud. I saw his face. His face said he'd do it out loud. I would definitely do it out loud. <laughs> his face said he'd do it out loud. The crazy but thing no, is I'm already that, a YCS champion hurts. at this that time. That play hurts. It, it it hurt really bad. It haunted me for years um, because, again, at this time, like, I'm already a YCS champion. I've already, like, topped a couple events, and there's, like, an expectation, right, that I wouldn't do something so knuckleheaded as kill, but, like, go minus two. Like, I just went minus two for no reason at all, but that is just the kind of thing that, you know, like... It can happen, and every everyone who's ever played Yu-Gi-Oh obviously misplays. Uh, I think that if you play long enough, you'll misplay in top cut, and it will be the reason why you lose in top cut. Um, and because you I played lose in top cut, if if you misplay and your opponent doesn't, yes, that's the way it should be. It should yeah. be, and it would be nice if it worked like that every time. But you know, you know, you know, it does not always work it like that. It does not work like that. No. Yes, but is there is there a misplay that you can like recall that really just like you're like damn, I might have been able to win this tournament or yeah, uh. Like you said, everybody's got one. <laughs> yep. It, it, like, literally keeps you up. Um, so, you and me did things very backwards. Uh, you got your... I think your win was, what, your first it event was my top? Fir- yeah, it was my first top. Okay. my Mine was, like, my 13th, somewhere around in there. I don't remember. I, I think it was 13, because okay. I was like... Hey, Wait, I your was 13th top? Team. Yeah, my 13th. Hold on a second. I just want to interject... When this podcast started, yep, I asked Frazier said, very basic Frazier said how many tops do you have? And you said, I don't know, but not a lot. He and then he just said, 13's a lot of tops. And it sounds like there might be more. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't, I play this game. 13 for- is a healthy amount of tops, my friend. 13 yes. is a lot. Okay. No matter how you, 13 is a fucking lot. Most, <laughs> double digits. I don't care what what you say or think. Th- double digits is a lot. Like that is a fucking lot of tops to have. So if your win is on your thirteenth top, even if it's your last top, so mine is like my first, and yours is maybe your last or whatever. It, like that's that's a lot though. That is a lot. Um, but yes, that answers the question from the beginning. So for people listening, Corey does have a lot of tops. And he's been fucking sandbagging us this whole time. I'm not <laughs> he's been fucking sandbagging us. But um, as as Fraser knows, uh, so. I got third three times going into my win. Yep. And for people that have lost and gotten third, the first time I did it, that was awesome. I was like, whoa, right. I got a prize card. But then you realize that when you get home and it's like, I didn't win. Yeah. Wait a second. Okay. Second time. Cool. A prize card. Neat. Yeah. I didn't win. It wears <laughs> off real quickly. It re- it weared off immediately. I was actually surprised by how sad I was uh, the first time. I was like, I got third. I should be like, I, I I think it was YCS Philly. And I was like, man, that's that's awesome. It's like right next to my house yeah. and everything. That's super cool. And um, yeah, I was just like, okay, what what why why is that not happening? Minneapolis was like my my misplay where i was just like holy crap i cannot believe i just did that what was like it? i thought that i was going to win that event free um 
I played pure Magic Specter. Okay. This is 2016. Um, this is the one that Marcus Hayden won. So, yep, this is 2016. Because me, I didn't, I didn't realize. So we both topped that event then. I believe it. Yeah. So you, you played know how many regionals we probably have topped together. Oh, a fucking dozen. Literally, like not even yeah. kidding, like an actual dozen. But we would joke around like round two or three and be like, "All right, I'll see you in top." Yeah, like I'll yeah. see you in fucking round seven or both like undefeated yeah, or whatever. Seven. Uh, but yes, so Minneapolis 2016, you were playing Magic Spectre because that's when I'm playing Metal Folk Magic Spectre, which is my yep. own like rant deck. But you were playing Magic Spectre and what 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 went down? Uh, so basically, I'm playing against Lightsworn in top. I was what like, what the fuck, Lightsworn? Literally Minerva, Minerva. Okay, okay? so somebody who has he had, money. Yeah, two secret rare Minervas. Uh, okay, which brings me to my thing. All right, I'm about to. I, like, I, I have all Magic Specters. They can't be, like, actually affected. My opponent has Skill Drain up. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You you put Skill Drain in your de- in your Lightsworn <laughs> deck. That's, that's fine if you feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I then, I'm like, okay, he actually has to hit two, um, two, uh, Lightsworns with, uh, with the thing. Yeah, uh, with Minerva or something? Minerva. Okay. Yes. He has to mill two All I had to do is I had Cyclone in my hand, which is where I can, I can, you know, like pop something on the field, but, yeah. or pop a monster. Um, so instead of going like activate, um, what's its name? Um, Kieran effect and chain Cyclone and then like get it off the field. Is that how it works? Could I have done that? So activate chain link one, activate um, yeah. unicorn, link one, activate unicorn Karen. then chain cyclone. Yes. So it would resolve backwards. The cyclone would destroy the skill drain and then it would balance the uh, Minerva. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I had to do to win. Instead, I attacked the Minerva. It milled two, one of them being a wolf. I didn't get the rest of my battle phase. Passed turn back to him. And then he um, put enough damage on for lethal. Wow. But I was, yeah. me being ignorant, I was like, he needs to hit two, and I, I. But I didn't think like, oh, he could just hit one wolf. Yeah. So you and it was game one hundred percent. If you just did that one interaction, like you, you would just fucking clean sweep him. People get no value out of Minerva. His skill drain would it, be gone. It, it would have been over, and I ended up getting two owed. Yeah, that's the worst feeling. I fuck. Oh, that's yeah. the worst feeling. Yeah. Because like, yeah, is definitely twisted game two, and I was like, man, if only I just played game one correctly i yep. would have saw the light of game three yep that's exactly how it is too when you get too old and one of the games you misplay you could have won it you know for a fact like you can feel it like i would have won like i would have won this i match. would have had it yeah yeah it is awesome oh, nine wolf and i would have been fine yeah <laughs> it, yeah that is i like that everyone does have like that misplay that they can recall i need to start asking this question more often but misplay, some misplays have haunted me. And also, I focus more on my losses than I than I do wins. Like, I don't really... I tell people all the time, especially when I'm trying to teach someone, uh, I don't really care about, like, my wins nearly as much as my losses. I think about my losses. They keep me up at night. Like, they literally... I will sit there and not go to bed. I'll, wake, I'll be fucking staring at my ceiling at 2 a.m. and thinking about, like, a way I could have done things differently to win a game. Uh, that's just how I've always been. It makes sense. There's not much to learn from your win. There's yeah, so much like, more to learn from your loss. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and Yu-Gi-Oh! is a game where you could do so many different things. Like, every hand. I, I, I tell your cousin Stengo all the time, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is the hardest card game outside of, you know, like poker and stuff like that. But Yu-Gi-Oh! is the hardest card game because you can do anything you want to do. Turn one, 
you can play all of your cards or you could play none of your cards. Whereas games with resource systems like Magic and Hearthstone and stuff like that, they put you on an actual clock where they restrict you from being an ape. Like you can't just start off in Hearthstone or in Magic outside of select formats where like they allow it. But most of the time, most formats are going to require you to play land or some kind of resource that like literally restricts you from doing anything. Like you cannot play six cards turn one. In Yu-Gi-Oh, you actually can just play six cards turn one. And that maybe a good thing sometimes like right now that's a great thing right now if you could do that and certain formats it's a terrible thing that you play six cards in one turn like what the fuck are you doing absolutely but um it makes the game very difficult and i i've always liked that about the game because that that tells me that there's typically something that you could have done to change the outcome of the duel and that is just really important to to have that distinction of like, I could have won if I did this differently or the game would have played that way different and I would have been closer to winning. I could have put him on a 50, 50 or I could have made it where like, he only has one out. And if he draws the one out, like, okay, sure. You drew the one out. You got lucky. That's fine. But I would have put him in a position that's like really, really bad for him. And that like, just that thinking about those losses and how to improve on them will make you better as a player. And that kind of brings me into my next question for you. Uh, and you kind of, you kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, but like, what was the turning point for you? Like, what is the first, I guess, regional that you topped and, like, you started to realize, like, okay, I, I think I can do this, like, long-form uh, tournament thing where, like, you're playing eight eight or nine rounds. Especially Philly used to have ten rounds. So, you know, depending on what, what regional tops you've had, you know how long the gauntlet can be to actually do well at those events. But, like, what was the turning point for you? What format, if you can remember, was where you started to feel like, okay, I think I'm starting to like really get this. Not necessarily 20, what was it? I think you said like 2015 or something like that is when you like, okay, I think I'm I'm getting better. But like even earlier than that, like before 2015. Um, the most, the one that pops out to me, it's funny you said a Philly regional. It was a 10 round Philly regional. Yep, standard. And if I ever lost round one, I would become extremely tilted. Not like in a respect <laughs> I get like bitchy and stuff. Just oh, like, I, I, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yes. like, wait a second. I don't do this. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's round one. Um, I'm playing against Dino Rabbit. I'm playing Mermail. Uh, my opponent goes first. He opens up macro. I'm playing Mermail. Yeah. I, that was cool. Uh, game th- game two, um, I got to go first. That's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I put up Sphere and uh, head away to, or not Sphere. Um, that was Regeki break. I set Regeki break. I was like, okay, that, well, I beat Rabbit back. Yeah. I have a Regeki break. <laughs> and yeah, you got to interact with him. Yeah, I have one interaction. Yeah. Piece. And that was, that was just um, too much. <laughs> game three, uh, he goes activate D Fissure. This, this was, this one hurt. And he, um, he set one. I opened up space. I think space was like at one at that point. I yeah. space the, the fissure and then he activates macro. I lose. Uh, Yep. Then I I ended up just I learned how to calm myself down after that match. I was like, there's nothing you could do. There's no reason to get upset about yeah. it. And my my feelings have always been in the mix forever. And um I I, I ended up winning nine rounds in a row. It was a ten rounder. Yep. And so, I was like, okay, I can do this now. Even if I take a bad beat or whatever, I can bounce back from it. That's interesting that you talk about you're more so speaking to mindset, which is important. Uh, a lot of people think that like the Yu-Gi-Oh accomplishments all come from having the best deck or having the best technical play. But a big part of it also is 
actually mindset because you can you can be the greatest player in the world but if your mindset gets fucked up or you get tilted like how you mentioned like sometimes we get tilted from our loss especially if they're round one and especially if they're uncontrollable like uncontrollable losses can really tilt you especially when you're like younger and your emotions are much much higher like you, you you take the game a lot more seriously than uh but the mindset to snap back doesn't come for a while it didn't come for a while for me like i Ugh, I've had a lot of early losses. Like you say, those round two losses where you went around one and you're like, okay, I got the first round jitters off. I won round one. And then round two, you just like lose. Like you don't even know exactly where it went wrong. Like your opponent just beats you and you just feel so shit because you know that there's eight or nine more rounds in this tournament and you feel like there's no way I'm going to fucking top this. It and that, that mindset of feeling defeated, if you don't break out of it, like it literally could be the end of your weekend because of that mindset. But you you managed to like turn that around and that was the turning point for you because that that's like the original question. So that's good. That's good to know that that was one of your developments as a player. I, just like, I think it's important for newer players to realize just because you won the event, it doesn't mean you played the best and it definitely doesn't mean you had the best deck in yeah. the room. Cause I know um, it's like a, like a superiority complex Yeah, where it's like, Oh, I won because I played the best. Yeah. My win. And I even said it in the interview afterward, I was like, I, I'm actually surprised I won this one out of, you know, yeah, all the Yeah, like you felt like you should have you know? won one of the other ones. And you're like, I, I definitely should have won one of the other yeah, ones. And I, I was like, and I was like, I had the third best deck in this room. You figure in that top cut, Frazier, I had a Fusion Sub-Zoo deck already in that top cut. Yeah. And I also had a 60-card Paleo deck. Y- yeah, so you had no business. Like, you had no business. That's crazy. It's yeah. actually crazy. I had no business yeah. walking away with the trophy. Yeah, that's how it be sometimes. But you are hundred percent right. Oftentimes, I would say, I would say, majority of the time, the person who won the event did not have the best deck and did not play the best either. Like, it is totally possible that there's someone out there playing better than you. Technically, like their their technical play is tighter than yours. Whatever you know, and that can be something that's like debated and all that. And we can set a rubric for what technical play means and what goes into it and give it a rating system. And then also. The deck building part, like you just know that there's no, like most events are not won by the best deck. Like they're just won by a deck. Yeah. Like a deck one, but it's definitely not the best one, but it's like, okay, it, it got you there. And that's honestly all that matters anyway, as far as like, it's hard to have the best deck and that be the reason you win anyway. Our, most of us are not Patrick Hoban. So like... No, I was just about to say, very few people have done it and Pat's yes. one of them. Yeah, Patrick Hoban is like the most notorious. I have the best deck in the room because one, none of you fuckers even know what I'm on until you see it. So like yeah. that's that's just like a huge advantage. Like he played uh, his deck for, for example, like he won YCS Toronto, I think 2014. And he, he was one of the first people. And this is so weird. Because it seems so obvious in hindsight, but he was one of the first people playing triple super poly Shadals. And he just went undefeated. I remember. He just went undefeated. Everybody got destroyed. I have to hit that out. <laughs> Everybody got destroyed. Everybody that's got what old school Yu Gi Oh for you. That's, that's but old yes, school Yu Gi Oh right there. There you go. 44 minutes edit point. <laughs> Let me just type that down. <laughs> but every, everybody got absolutely destroyed. It's like, how do we not see? Triple Super Poly with like the baby dragons, the little like Wither Buster and Collapse Serpent, uh, you know, Charge Light Brigade, Lila's like Raiden. Like it, 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 when you look at the deck list, it's like this doesn't look like something that's so special. But then you look at what everyone else is playing in a room, and you're like, holy shit, we're all so stupid. Like, why are we playing Artifact Sanctum and Moral Tech? Like, why, why are we doing that? Like, why are people playing Artifact Shadals? Like, why is that a thing? Why is that something that's happening in this room? 
like I, I know Hoban's like most known for Upstart Goblin, yes. right? And that, yep. that's cool and everything. I I definitely utilized Upstart Goblin after I saw him Same. use Upstart Goblin. But I think the biggest takeaway from what Hoban has taught us was why wasn't anybody playing Vanity's Emptiness? For yeah, the love of God, why wasn't anyone playing the card that says you can no longer play the game <laughs> yeah. ever? Yeah. And he made several decks that flipped that card and then did something ignorant like start a Spark Dragon or uh, yes. that one Beetle Exceeds monster that like fucking targets uh, a card. Key Beetle. Key Beetle. He's yes. just like made so many ignorant decks that you literally can't play. And that changed the game a lot so a lot of times like his wins you know all fucking eight of them like he really did have the best deck in the room but most i would agree that most people who win a tournament are who are you know are not necessarily the best player and not necessarily the best deck but they got there and there's nothing wrong with that it's just that like statistically it's really hard to be both of those things and also win like it's it's hard because like there's still it's still Yu-Gi-Oh, there's still variants it's funny because that's the deck that's going to get net deck the most like the deck that yeah. wins, like you're saying at your tournament, there was at least two decks better than yours. Yeah. Which is funny because that, you said the next YCS, the guy playing the grass version of your deck wins the Gosh YCS, right? Won the very next one. It's it funny because was... there's probably people that went into that YCS using your version of the 100%. deck. You won. So they net decked that version of the deck and like they don't even realize like the blueprint for the better version was right there. It's so, that's crazy to think. Holy crap. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah if well, they, Josh all they have to it. Do, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, don't look at my deck. Look at the guy next to me. Yeah, the guy sometimes it'd be like that. Top 16, look at that guy's deck. He had yeah. the best deck. Because you don't know exactly, like, it, when we put it into context, sometimes bad beats happen, and, like, people just get super unlucky. I've been there for sure in some of my top cuts that I feel like I should have won this tournament. I was very yeah. close to winning this tournament, and then something ridiculous happens, and it's like, okay, well, I just got one outered. And I do think I have the best deck, at least in this top cut. Maybe not in the whole room, but like in this top 32, I think I would 100% win. It, like sometimes I, the one that I hate the most is when you look around at everyone left in the tournament. You're like, okay, this is the top 16 or this is the top eight. For example, me and Nazar, Dallas 2012. So me and Nazar are in top eight and both of us are playing Dino Rabbit and we get paired against each other in a Dino Rabbit mirror match in top eight. And literally we sit down and we said to each other, Whoever wins this is winning the YCS. No offense to the other six people, but like we oh. looked, ar- we looked around and we just saw fish. Like we literally just saw fucking fish, and it was like, yo, this is actually the YCS finals right here. He wins game three, and he wins the entire YCS, and it wasn't even like it was pretty much uncontested. Like he just scraped top four, scraped finals, collect second YCS win. If it was me, it would have been the exact same thing. No question. It was like you just look around, you just know like this is. This is my tournament. You're the you're the last person who could possibly take me out, and and it it happens sometimes, and it just really really sucks. Like it could it could have been my day instead. I wish my my top cut was like that. My top cut had like twenty rings in it. I was, <laughs> I was at that point. I was bottom rung. I was like, I'm a I was the fish. Was <laughs> you would have not. You would have. I was actually the fish. I played against Kamal in top thirty two. Yep, that's East Cunningham rough. in the finals. Um. Well, top 16, I played against a Pendulum guy. Um, top 8, I played against the Jonathan Ramirez guy. Mm-hmm. Something, something like that. He, ha- he has two wins. Um, uh, oh, I, I, I just like everyone, I, Jonathan Gomez, everyone I, I played against. Yeah. Yeah, you right. had some really... I mean, there have definitely been top cuts that are like, this is absolutely stacked. But somehow, 
you get real deep and then a lot of like the good players are just gone. Like you look around because Dallas 2012 is not like there weren't a bunch of people in the top cut who were like notable and stuff, but they had just gotten knocked out. They just so happened to leave me and Azar alone to like take the tournament. And that is the most frustrating thing. Cause you're like, I am so close. Like you are the last one. Like if I beat you, I, I got, I got this. Like I just have it. Uh, and it, that type of stuff. When I think about those the feeling of that rush of knowing like I'm so close to winning this, that makes me want to play modern Yu-Gi-Oh again. Like there's one of the only things that honestly entices me about it is the feeling of getting in a top cut and then like winning, you know, winning like two or three rounds and being like, holy shit, like I am very close now to like doing this again. Like that feeling is definitely euphoric as hell. And uh, I haven't felt it in a very, very yeah, long there's time. There's no replication for that. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, okay. So before we get off the Yu-Gi-Oh talk, I wanted to bring up nationals 2012. So what's your nationals 2012 story? Because you were, well, I'll let, I'll let you explain exactly what happened. Nationals 2012. Okay. We, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. So 2012, uh, yeah, it was 2012. Um, so that was my first top. Well, my, my first Konami top at yeah. that time. Um, at that point, Annie, uh, at, at that point, um had to play again first of all i didn't even know how to play my deck jeff strain actually taught me round five how to play my deck <laughs> what were so, you playing i was playing wind up which wasn't just pick up the deck and go no it wasn't. Uh, but um and also hey, real quick I, before before you get into it let me just give some context to what 2012 nationals looks like because it is 10 years old now uh 2012 nationals is ruled by chaos dragons yes. uh insectors wind ups and I think Donald Rabbit too. Those were the four decks. Yes. Those, those were the four decks. So that's 2012 Nationals for people who are like, "What the fuck is that?" But go ahead. Yeah. So you played Windups Round Five. You get a nice lesson from Jeff Train. Uh, my deck did not have Factory in it. Oh, nice. Uh, I played Gores and Foolish Burial uh, <laughs> instead of Factory. Uh, I also played BLS. Um, Okay, so I don't fault you, you for that. If you ever think one. that you topped because your deck was good, let this be a lesson. I mean, I certainly have. I got. I yes. definitely have some tops where it's like my deck was better than me today. Oh my god, that deck was so bad. I go back and look at it sometimes just so I can get clarification <laughs> that I had a brain back then. <laughs> it's so bad, but yeah, uh, I ended up making it to top sixteen. I'm like, oh my god, win one more, go to worlds on my first top. That's a dream. Um, Obviously, uh, I didn't win because I didn't go to Worlds. Uh, I played against my friend at the time, Rubio, uh, who ended up also not going. And Rubio's from Jersey. Uh, so we, we've had many interactions before. And it, there, it was just, yeah. Okay, so funny thing about Kevin Rubio is he, he beats you and he earns an invite to Worlds. Yes. And before him in 2011... Uh, Jeff Walker, aka Meatball, he also earned an invite to Worlds, another Jersey player. So there had been like this weird thing going on where Jersey players would, at Nationals, they would just go real deep, like really, really deep, and they just would not actually go. Like they just wouldn't fucking go to Worlds. They would just get the invite and not yep. go for whatever reason. Everyone, so, everyone from Jersey, I don't care if they were just born yesterday, you were now technically a Worlds competitor. <laughs> you just go if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah so he beats you he's like all right i'm not even going well he i don't know if he knew at the time like immediately frame one like, no i, I, I didn't find out till later and yeah. i was like it's like i got crushed all over again. yes that hurts because that, that is a dream so going to competing in worlds is like a dream for every really competitive Yu-Gi-Oh player like it's one of yes. the it was one of the highest honors to be able to do that no american has won it so for 
like I'm still I'm still it's still crazy to me that there has been, never been an American that has won worlds. Like that is still something on the table that somebody is eventually one day theoretically going to claim. Like there will be eventually a United States champion who wins worlds and like they are the first one and that's going to be fucking huge. Um the fact I that I thought it was going to be Silverman honestly. I, I, I could easily see it being Silverman because I was like went, if anybody's going to get it done, Silverman's going to actually get it done. Yes, because he's the no. kind of person that will just do what no one else will do. Like he will just, yeah. will just do yeah. what no one else will do. In fact, it's he'll funny. Be like, well, I'm here anyway. Yes, it's funny yeah. because Silverman, 2013, he goes to Worlds, and if I'm not mistaken, he played Bowden in the last round of Swiss for last place. Like he, lit- love to hear it. he literally was like, I'm 0-4. And I'm literally playing for last place. And I think that at Worlds, like, you can't scoop. You can't, like... You're not allowed, no. Right. So they forced him to play out the match. And, like, he told me, like, a lot of weird stuff happened when he went. But he was like, I literally was playing for last place. So it was, like, the exact opposite, which is so crazy because when when he was going, I definitely thought, like, Silverman's going to either get to the finals or win it all yep. because he's just that kind of person. Like, once he's in top cut, he's, he's, a, like, yeah, he's dangerous. Sure. Yeah, but... uh, Yeah, so, so you played... What was actually the best deck for that Nationals. Like, Linus was 100... It won the event, for one. Well, it was a version of the best deck. It was a version I of the would, best deck. Yours was, yours was not. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yours may not have been, but wind up... You had the right idea. You just didn't have the right execution. Correct. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's Nationals. And you have been out the game for a while now. And a lot of... You know, a lot of people do want to know, like, you are the first band player that we've had on I Am Their Podcast, right? Yes. And... You have served your term. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the time that is on like the website of how long you've been banned, which is what, a three-year ban? Three-year ban, yes. That time has now expired. So you are, theoretically, you have like served your term being banned, right? I have, yes. We're now at four years, four and a half years now of being banned. Holy shit. Okay. Wait, quick, quick interjection. Okay. Was, uh, this is not shade. At Nazar, but wasn't he banned or was he oh, currently you're banned? Right. Nazar got banned twice, but okay, it's interesting you said that. I don't I, know if he's currently banned or not. I don't. That's I don't why think I just Nazar. I don't know if Nazar. I don't think Nazar is currently banned because I okay. did I see Nazar in person. I did see Nazar in person at a regional, um, which you know you're not allowed to go to if you're banned. But I did see him. At, I hope I'm not blowing up his spot. I, I don't think Nazar is banned. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but like Nazar was banned and if he what? is banned he wasn't there he was not yeah I saw someone else they they, <laughs> you know they all look alike or something I don't know um, <laughs> but yeah so you are not the first player that I've interviewed that has been banned but you you have been banned for you're saying four and a half years now and I do want to talk about this a bit because one of the things that I think is important for people in general uh, and at communities in general we have like a really huge cancel culture and just like not allowing people the room to grow and assuming that people are the same from when they were at a younger age as they are currently it could be 10 years down the line it could be 20 years down the line uh we see a lot of this in the media and i'm a person who believes that like you do need to give people room to grow you know and if and if they haven't then by all means like stay where the fuck you are but to speak speaking to that point like you have been banned for 3 years and do you want to say what happened um so after the 3 year ban um i put in for to be a player of good standing 
Um, they have they messaged me back. Um, probably about two or three months later after that fact, because I know they they usually meet up. Like the penalty commi- committee meets up usually when they do ban lists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said we have declined to move you to a player of good standing. You may reply again for another nine months. Oh, is that how that works? I never knew that there was a formal. I didn't know there yes. was that formal where they tell you like we are no, we are not allowing you to come back yet. Yep. Uh, so, so they. So you yeah. got banned for three years, and then so when you're banned, for, it says okay, you're banned for three years. So when three years pass. It doesn't just go. You can't just go to a tournament. You have to three years has to pass, and then and, you have to apply. Yes, to be allowed again. I see. Yeah. So okay, I'm not going to say exactly what you got banned for, but what you got banned for was for that Facebook post, right? Um. So honestly, if you want me to be completely honest, I should have been banned for that, but now I'm not too sure. So that transpired in 2014. Okay, so it's been eight um, years. Yes. Um, in 2018, I was banned. Oh, um, so wait. Okay, so you you made a comment on Facebook in 2014. Yes. And... So eight, eight years ago, I made a comment on Facebook, which in all honesty, that was like, that's probably one of my biggest regrets ever, was that comment, ever. Like, I always say wild things off the mouth, yeah. uh, but that was not okay. I was... By the epitome of being stupid. Well, I'm glad that you acknowledged that. And at the time, yeah. you were how old? Um, so eight years ago, twenty four, I think. Okay. Now, I myself, I can admit that I have for sure, because Facebook reminds me, uh, yes. I, I have for sure said some things that I am not proud of today with and, and my 30 years of age like i there are a hundred percent there are things probably on my facebook right now that are if somebody were to go digging and don't you fuckers do it but there are things that facebook will try to time hop and remind me of every morning that i have to go and delete at the time like why did i ever like why did i say this like this is crazy yeah. but like we all make mistakes and i'm glad that you without any provocation said like this is one of the dumbest things i've ever done like, I wish I Hands never did down. this. It's like a huge regret for you because it has taken away one of your joys in life. And that is Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, you clearly are very passionate about the game. You're one of the most passionate people I know who's ever played Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, you you care a lot. Um, and I've always seen that about you. I've always admired other people who are as competitive as I do because it kind of validates me. Like, when I, when course, I feel like yes. I, when I feel like I want to fucking cry after losing... And I see someone else who also feels that intensity when they lose. It makes me feel like, okay, I'm not the only one. Like, I'm not crazy for feeling this way. Like, I feel alive when I'm playing this game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, it it just so happened that you had a a really bad moment that you deeply regret. And uh, it has been a very long time. But what's interesting about this is that you didn't get banned for it immediately. It, It had been four years. And then four years later... Like, did something happen that kind of provoked oh. it? Oh, the the continuation of the ban, or no, like the initial. Well, no, you're saying you didn't you didn't get banned until 2018. So when you got banned, what the, what was the reason, or what um, did they say they, the reason they did, was? I mean, they they put it down in the the um the email as online harassment. Okay. So I'm assuming. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's a very broad. Yeah, that could be anything. But I would assume. 
considering I barely know how to use the internet, that <laughs> it was what I said in 2014. Okay. All right. So uh, I do have, well, this question has comes from uh, Dominic Roberts, one of the people in our, our discord. You kind of already answered it, but he said like, what was going on in your head during that verbal explosion? Um, and like, how did you learn and grow as a person as a result of it? I guess that is still something that you could answer though. Like what was going sure. on in your head and like, how did you learn and grow as a person since then? Um, so basically this is what actually transpired that night. Um, we had many people from California calling my, my grandmom's house. I lived with my grandmom at that time. I remember that. Yep. Yes. And, um, they kept waking her up over and over and over again. At this point, it's between 12 and 2 a.m. Um, finally, my grandmom is very upset, like extremely upset, visibly upset, which made me extremely angry because yeah. she doesn't deserve this. You know, if you're going to blow up somebody's phone and prank call them, just call, call my phone, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, at that point, that's when I made the comment. Um, and if people were to ever go back and look at that comment and scroll up from that comment, you will see where I'm literally telling them at least 10 to 15 times, stop calling my house, stop calling my house, stop calling my house. Yeah. And they did not. So I and said something extremely stupid. Um, yeah. Uh, and as far as how do I feel like I've changed as a person? I mean, the best way to describe change is think about yourself eight years ago yeah and see i do where you I, are I think yeah, about it where often. you it's, are now i am embarrassed i'm like honestly yeah. not not even kidding not even just trying to be sympathetic towards you and i talk about this with kenny all the time and we talk about this on a podcast it comes up every once in a while like how different we used to be as people like the things that we used to do in our young 20s like at 24 the, the things that i was doing and saying to people and just like do like i'm just not the same person at all anymore like i am so yeah. far removed from that and it it took a lot of growth it also took a lot of checking my own ego because i was egotistical as fuck and i always remind people like i know that a lot, you know i have fans and like people who love me because they don't they but they don't really know like the toxicity that was in me when i was younger like they don't know the ego tripping like treat your friends bad say crazy things to people like validate people yeah. by how many tops they have or like who they are and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of toxicity that I have had the, the, ple the, the blessing and the, the patience and the grace to have grown out of. And I reflect on it often to like keep myself humble uh, because what starting this podcast for me was very scary. Like I could have started this podcast and it, no one could have listened. Like it could have been, it could have fell flat on his face and everybody could have been like, you know, this, I don't fucking like this guy. Like this is a great opportunity to show him how much I don't like him, you know? And I, the whole community could have rose up against me and been like, this is not a good person because of things that I've done in my past or things that I've said. And, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that I had room to grow and that I am not judged by my lowest moment. I think that's kind of the overarching point of what I'm trying to get at is that I think it is wrong to judge someone solely off of their lowest point. Um, especially if that person has exuded like growth and that they're trying to move past something or like they have a tone for it or, or they genuinely feel apologetic for something that they've done. I think that everyone should be given, you know, grace and room to like grow and, you know, 
some things, obviously, there are people in history that like they can't come back, right? And I'm not even going to name trigger word names, but like you, you guys know who I'm talking about. There are people who have done things in history that like they they can't come back because they they have actually taken action. They have done things that are like you could that is just terrible, right? But yes. like you know, cyberbullying and stuff like that. Like we've all I, there's not a single person on the internet who has not said something wild. Like I don't care what you guys say, you can sit there and be judgmental right now and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but you have said something to someone or you have texted something to someone that is a hundred percent wild. And it's something that you might've done 10 years ago, something that you might've done two years ago, but I bet that you don't feel the same way you felt about it when you initially wrote that. And it's not who you are. Like that doesn't define you as a person completely. Like that is not the, all of you, all of you is not in that one moment that you've had. Um, and I, you know, I, that's kind of what I want to say about that. Uh, but you know, I'm glad that you are actually apologetic and you acknowledge that like that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. It was really stupid. And you know, it's eight years ago. You definitely changed as a person in eight years. Uh, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. So you are now, you're now married and I am married kid on the way. Um, six year old who actually said good night to me during this. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be cut out. So they will actually like hear that probably. Oh, real quick, I want to ask, just because this is a yeah. good time to bring it up, because I, I really noticed when he came in. Are you on a beanbag chair right now? I am actually, this is going to be the most old man. Because you're just I'm like chilling. It, it looks like your bed's behind you and you're on the floor, and I feel like you're in a beanbag chair. I am in my beautiful California King bed, sitting on a <laughs> heating pad because my hips hurt. Oh, you're actually in the bed. I am. It's okay. like my whole room is bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, where, where are you at? Honey? That's my wife holding our bird. Okay. <laughs> Hello. I see. I no. see. My, yeah, my, my, my from my perspective, I guess that's your pillow. Maybe from my perspective, that looked like your bed sheets hanging off the side of the bed, and you were just like on a beanbag chair chilling. I wish, but no. Sadly, I am currently nursing my uh, my bad hips because I've been bowling six days a week. So. Mm. Okay, so that's something else. So outside of marriage, and congratulations on being married and having a kid on the way. Uh, I wish you much success in that. Uh, outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! And, and outside of that, you post a lot on Facebook about bowling. And now I am terrible at that game. I've tried it like twice. I've, I fucking suck. Like the way, like if you know me for being good at anything else in life, I am the opposite in bowling. I don't know what it is about me, but I can't dance. And I can't do things that require good hand-eye coordination outside of video games. So, like, I'm not good at sports, like basketball, football, stuff like that. I just can't. I'm just not good at it. And bowling is one of them. I tried it with coworkers, like, years ago because for some reason, coworkers love going out to fucking bowling as, like, a social event. And every time I've tried, I've tried switching up my form. I've tried all types of things. Granted, no one is teaching me either. Like, no one is out there being like, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. But me trying to figure it out on my own, I've definitely hit, like, two strikes in my life. But that's like two strikes out of literally a hundred thrown. So I that's suck. Crazy. I fucking suck at bowling. I don't know like how I you do it. Give you a lesson next time we. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I would like yeah. one lesson because I feel like if somebody just taught me like this is where you're going wrong, like this is what you're doing wrong, and this is how you do it properly, that would be so much helpful, so much more helpful than what happens to me because what happens is I go to these events with coworkers, and we are drinking or whatever, and then next thing you know, it's like all right, we're going to start bowling. But everyone just knows how to do it already. It's kind of like playing spades in the black community. Like people just fucking know how to play spades. Like, if you just go to yeah. a black event, they just know how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, 
guess what? No one's going to fucking teach you because no one wants to be nope. the guy teaching a kid how to play spades. So you just have to learn. <laughs> but that's how bowling feels to me. It feels like spades. Um, yeah, I, I just recently, uh, this month, I'm actually now a, uh, a assistant coach for a high school up here. So okay. I'm, it's actually, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually just told my wife today, we, our very first week, we didn't get a single point. There was 12 schools there. And we got 12th out of 12th. I think the women in, in at our high school got 11th out of 12th. Oh, wow. We were not doing well. Today we had a match literally right before uh, our call and everything, mm-hmm. which is why I kept asking you earlier. I was like, all right, when do I need to actually be <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, you, know? you were worried about being there earlier. And didn't I was worried about being there too early, worried about being there too late. Um, yep. And then today we took three out of four of our games. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is actually – I wasn't – this is my first time not being the player, you know? Yeah. And it was so rewarding for me. I, I couldn't, I was so happy just to see this group of people grow like that. I mean, it's, I, I can't even explain the feeling to watch somebody else succeed after teaching them how to succeed. Yeah. How old are these kids? Uh, it's high school. So uh, 14 to 18, I guess. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's around high school age. Yeah. Wow. That's actually really cool. So you teach, you you coach uh, kids on bowling, and you yourself happen to be a very good bowler from what I understand about just reading your... I don't understand all the numbers that you guys post up on the fucking board and all that stuff. I don't know what it means. I look at the scores. I'm so confused by bowling scores. I have no idea what's going on. But you always seem to be talking about it in a way that makes it seem like, if I'm using context clues, that you are pretty fucking good at the game. Um, I'm not uh, sure how long you've been playing, but it seems like you're pretty yeah. damn good. So when I was a kid around like 16, 17, 18, there was a lot of coaches that wanted me to be professional. Um, I wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, so, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the reality for a lot of us. Yes. So instead of choosing the sports path and, you know, I wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Uh, and now, uh, so come January will be my, very first entry into the world of professional bowling. Um, I currently have the second highest average in Michigan. Um, on top of that, I uh, pretty much any time I touch the ball, I I feel so good. I just I don't know what's wrong with me, but I I love to roll balls. That's pretty decent. So you have yeah. the second highest average in Michigan. That's fucking impressive. I mean, that is yeah. That's that's yeah. just simply impressive i'm sure that there are a ton of people who actually bowl in every state uh but yeah that's really nice so you're gonna you're gonna go full professional mode starting in 2023 you said starting in january yes and what does that entail like how does that how does that work um so you need to hold at least a 200 average for a total of 30 weeks um if you can do that then you are now eligible for a pba card um, you pay like two hundred and twenty-five dollars to reinstate yourself as professional and not amateur. Yep. Um, and then you now get to go to these events. Um, and you you compete. Yeah. For the thing that we love the most. Dollars. Yes. The thing uh, that the thing that drives us. Yeah. So I'm hoping uh, I'll give myself like a four year plan, like I did with with Yu Gi Oh. I was yeah. like I. During this next four years, I'd like to be hoisting a trophy, and I I hope I get to put a PBA title next to my name as well. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's actually really cool. What uh, so I guess with the bowling thing, like you got into it when you were around sixteen, and you said coaches wanted you to go professional back then. 
Yeah, I started bowling when I was 12 uh, competitively. It's like, what happened? How do you get into bowling? Because I'm still trying to figure out I, when I tell you that I am so out of rhythm with that fucking game, like it frustrates me when I am forced to play it because I don't know what I'm doing and everyone else for some reason just knows how to play and it just triggers the fuck out oh, of me. Oh, well then next time you get forced to go bowl and bring me, Fraser, I'll look like an idiot with you. Okay. Are you, are you from? Because I don't know how to play bowling? that game either. I'm terrible. So if you need, if anybody needs a, a I'm bad at bowling partner and you don't want to be alone, hit me up. I'll, 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 I'm visiting for Christmas. I'll, I'll happily go bowling with you guys. <laughs> um, go bowling. I get, um, we, well, I'm sure that I wonder if Silverman wants to do it because we could actually get like a whole AU squad together. And oh, that go, sounds like a blast! And go I would bowling, love that. yeah, because we do stuff on Thursday nights. Like after, I mean, typically they just go to the fucking casino and gamble like degenerates. But um, we, we, you know, we we also are able to do other things. And maybe we can find some old guys in there and bet the money. Yeah, it'd be I fun. Would, we'll, I would, we'll send so Chris in. If we go like, bowling. I would. I'm so on board. I'll drive out the homes. I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'll literally text the group chat and be like, "Are you guys interested in going bowling?" Like we. We don't really have much else going on as far as like after the locals anyway, or maybe even beforehand. And Thursdays have been kind of drying up a little bit because it's around the holiday season. So people are spending more time just at home and buying gifts for their family and stuff. You know, Yu-Gi-Oh! always slows down at the end of the year. There's also, well, before the pandemic, there weren't really events in December and they kind of held off on doing that. But now they have like a remote dual YCS this weekend because you can play YCSs in your bedroom now. That's uh, so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Never used D- different, different world, different world. We are officially boomers, Corey. Um, I, I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. You have, you have, you have things that you have to live for now. No, uh, no, no. I was right, hyper- hyperbo- hy- hyperbole. <laughs> hyperbole. Can I use the edit button? <laughs> I, I got, I got what you mean, though. Um, yeah, there you go. But yeah, like bowling has always just eluded me as like I don't know exactly what it takes to be good, but you know, I, w- I will be looking forward to an actual lesson to figure out some things that way. I just want to, I'm so competitive that like, I want to be able to beat my coworkers and I want them to just think that I'm amazing. At, I just want them to think like, he's fucking insane. Like, I just want to be looked at and revered as like this insane bowling kid. Like, I just want to be, I don't know, the black bowler. Like, I just, the I just black bowler? yeah, I just want to be the black bowler. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, so you there was, there was you go into the alley and you only roll black balls. Like if you go in there and there's not a black ball, you're like, I can't fucking roll here. What the hell is this shit? It's so funny. <laughs> no, um, I got you. I'll get you there for sure. So outside of bowling, and this is something I just know about you personally, uh, when we were younger, is you used to be really big into hairstyling and like you did that for years and we're really good at it. Um, in fact, I when I told you that I was cutting my own hair and I had completely just given up on barbershops and for all the different reasons that I gave up on barbershops. I learned to cut my own hair years ago, like several years ago now. But uh, you were like, yeah, your hair actually looks really nice. Like I could tell you did the fade and everything like that. And like, you even showed me like, uh, you can improve on this side. And I, I took that advice. I was like, yeah, you've been, you've been doing hair stuff a lot longer than I have. Um, long time. But how, long ha- time. how did you get into hair, the world of hairstyling? Uh, hairstyling? My mom is a hairstylist actually. Okay. And um, I started cutting her hair when I was 12 years old. Around the same time I got into bowling and Yu-Gi-Oh. It's so weird. 12 was my year, man. 12 was your year. You came a lot. I don't know what the fuck you were before 12, but you you became a human. And, I was not and, even a real person, you know, apparently. You, you clearly, you got all your skills at 12. That's crazy. I yeah. peaked at 12. Yeah, you not peaked. You didn't peak at 12. But yeah, I she would like, all right, now cut a straight line. She, she would say, all right, comb it all down. 
or most of the time she would comb it down for me so I wouldn't mess up and just be like, I need you to cut just a straight line. Do not mess up. And I remember there was one time where I actually cut up instead of across. And she was like, don't worry about it. But this side's like two inches shorter. (laughs) So So you have a patient parent, which is nice. Yes, for the most part. As patient as a parent could be. Yes. And then did you end up going to school for that at some point too? Uh, I did, yeah. I have my cosmetology license in three states. Um, In two of those states, I'm considered a master stylist. Oh, wow. And then um, in Delaware, I went for my instructor license. And um, I ended up deciding that uh, I'm not the best teacher. I prefer if someone else would learn, teach them, and then me to refine their skills. Uh, Yeah. Like, you don't want to teach them from scratch. Yes. Um, so just something like it's not like bowling where you immediately show somebody technique and then they can approve upon technique. Hair is something that becomes muscle memory and it really mm. you need to like do it every day or you will your body will actually not know how to do it. Yeah. You know, so I agree with that, actually. Uh, I have been cutting my hair. So I've been cutting my hair for almost 10 years now. In November 2013 was the first year first day first month that i started cutting my hair november 2013 i'll never forget and so it's almost been 10 years but i've i didn't start out like really good at it but i i for my starting point because i drew a lot as a kid like i just naturally used to draw and i was not bad at it either cutting hair i kind of related it immediately to just drawing and like you know i used to draw anime stuff or whatever and Uh drawing a lot of lines like a lot of goku's hair a lot of saiyan hair all that stuff um Uh when i finally started to cut hair i was like okay i can actually do this and then you learn how to fade and that's much much more more difficult but over time you like refine it you refine it you refine it and you get better at it and i agree i feel like you do with the whole teaching thing like there was my one friend lewis who wanted to start learning how to cut his own hair as well and it didn't dawn on me until he wanted to do that, how difficult it is to show somebody how to do it. Because like you said, it's muscle memory. So where something comes easy to me, for example, I look to cut my own hair. I use a three-way mirror. I have a mirror that I can see the back of my head, the side of my head. I can see my head from every angle possible. Right? That's awesome. So a three-way mirror is the only way that I recommend people cut their own hair, especially if you're going to do like detail fading and stuff like that on the back and all that. Um, but I, when I was showing it to him, he's not used to looking in a mirror and holding his hands and like using clippers. So immediately his, he has like stupid fingers. Like his hand is just like not moving. Correct. Cause you know how it is when you're looking at your reflection, everything is amazing. Everything's yeah. reversed. But for me, I literally, and I didn't realize that how muscle, how much muscle memory I had, but I would just like grab the clipper from him and just start fading my hair. Like start doing it. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. to me, it doesn't even seem like I'm looking at myself reversed. Like it just feels like I'm literally just cutting my hair exactly how i need to but you take it for granted when you've done it so long and then when you go to teach someone it's kind of frustrating because it's like damn your body like your actual physical body doesn't know what to do it's not something i can really like like i can try to tell you like hey think about it like this but if you don't get it you just have to practice it on your own yeah like i can teach people hand position but at the end of the day it's something they have to do yes yeah yeah that's that's a very real thing um and something that i still haven't learned how to do and luckily Right now, I don't have, I don't do too much uh, cutting people's hair with the texture. I need scissors, but like, I've never gotten into actual doing like shear work, like cutting with shears, which is that's definitely a very crazy skill. Like, I've seen videos, I watched YouTube tutorials. It it really is. Great razor. That's even, 
I remember I tried to straight razor my own face, and um, I went into my class the next day when I was in cosmetology school, and I was like, all right, what do I do so this doesn't scar, if that gives yeah. you any idea of how bad <laughs> I did on the left side of my face. Yeah, so it's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it really is. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of things we take for granted. Like, when you bowl, you, you know, you probably just literally... It just feels natural to you. It's second nature. You've been doing it for so long. You put in your 10,000 hours or whatever, and you've just been doing it, you know, since you were 12, 16, and now however old you are now, we don't have to say it because I hate, I hate aging myself and other people, but how old you are now, I, I, I just want to, I just want to, I wish I would stop too. I wish I would stop aging. That's what I'm saying. I want to stop right here. Like if I stopped right, everything's still fine. Everything still works. Everything's still great. Like, you know, I my butt. Bu- yeah, you said you're sitting on a heating pad right now. I'm everything- literally on a heating pad. <laughs> but you use your body in a physical way. Where I, I, I am an accountant and I'm a podcaster. I'm a content creator. So I don't really, I don't do anything too physical. <laughs> like the most physical thing yeah. I do is probably his sex. Like that's literally it. Like I don't, I don't really <laughs> use my body for any physical, I don't do any physical activities. I go to the gym, but like even that, you know, I take it pretty easy. Like I'm, I'm very easy on myself. Like I've always been that way. I'm just kind of like, just take it easy. But bowling uh, I, throws your yeah. back out. I try and bowl like ten games a day. And oh, when you get no. proper, yeah, when you get proper form, um, it's. Sorry, did you get it? No, I can't. Okay, I'm too you're too pregnant. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, I like to compare it to uh, ballet, actually. Because when you achieve proper val- balance through your through your steps and everything like that, you feel every muscle you have never used. I cannot explain it. it you, <laughs> yeah, you don't move the next day. Oh. I, be- I believe you. I mean, after a really yeah. crazy workout, the next day you feel it and it's like, this was not worth it. Nope. You know, you know it's but, never worth it. But then, you know, eventually you're like, okay, I'm starting to see results. And that is the best feeling. Like making a breakthrough, whenever you start to bowl and realize, like, holy shit, I'm getting it. Like I'm finally understanding oh, yeah. what I need to do. It's just so interesting to me that bowling is like so you you at a very simplified on the outside looking in level, you are doing the same thing over and over. Like it's just repetition, constantly yeah. throwing the ball, trying to hit a strike, right? Like that is the goal. The goal of just to hit all the pins down at once, right? Like that is that is the initial, is. that is the initial at a very basic level. Right. So at a basic level, that's exactly what it is. But now if you go to like regionals or even PBA events like that, you know, mm-hmm. they change up the length of the oil pattern. They'll change the volume of how oh. much oil they put on the pattern. Um, they'll also make zones where on the, on the pattern where you can't even throw it. If you throw it there, your ball will actually just go pin straight and probably into the gutter. Oh, so wow. they make I, bowling is golf. Okay. So you have, there are many different surfaces. There's like your urethane surface. There's your solid surface, which is very abrasive. Um, then you have like a pearl finish, which is, by by its word, like it's smooth, like a pearl. Yeah. Uh, and that, so say if like there's a little bit of oil on the lane, just like a, a very thin layer, you're going to want your ball to go much longer before it comes off the break point and hook and, and hit the pocket, you know? So you want to use a pearl ball so it goes longer. If you want it to hook earlier, you'll use that very abrasive bowling ball, you know? Okay, so. so yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Which, I know I'm following. 
So, Got it? <laughs> so it sounds to I'm me like shit. one of the key skills in bowling is actually adaptability, it sounds like. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Every tournament is different. Every lane you bowl on is different. And honestly, even if you bowl on a different lane, three lanes down in the same exact place, that lane's probably going to be different. Wow. That's yep. that makes the game you just added so many layers to it by just that little spiel right there. And that's really yep. cool because I, like I said, I'm an outsider. So I've only ever bowled that like, you know, shitting bowling alleys that people go to after work to get get drunk mainly. And yep. bowling is just kind of like an it's afterthought. That way. Yeah. But like it's interesting <laughs> to know that on a competitive level, there is something happening, you know, below the surface that is much more intricate. It's really hard. Okay. Like I, I like to know I, that. On a house shot, um, so a house shot is just like you walking off the street, going into a bowling alley and bowling there. Yeah. Um, on a house shot, uh, I, I shoot very well for myself. Um, on a sport pattern, I'll still shoot pretty good, but I need – it's so – it's the difference between playing a trap deck or playing combo. It's like, all right, <laughs> if I play combo, I need to learn what a YouTube video is. Yes. If I play – yes, if I play – um if i play a back row deck i need to know what my opponent what all my opponent's decks do so i can interact with them you know yeah that's just at least that's how i always look at i always i always thought back row decks were so much harder to play i agree because a combo you can literally memorize a combo from a youtube video you do the combo and your opponent probably loses if the combo is strong enough and that's kind of how that goes but if you playing your cards like slowly in a correct order not knowing when to not play cards is even more important knowing like i don't have to respond to that that does not threaten my position in any way like learning that skill is incredible too but yeah i like i like knowing that there's like all these intricacies to bowling um i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i do have a few more questions that are just rapid fire like kind of from our discord and i don't want to forget about them so before we jump into those questions i'm just going to give a shout out to the people on our patreon thank you guys so much for supporting as we always say it goes a long way uh on our patreon we have connie austin leon quest garen xavier hylian and dimitri barnes alexander Brissett, finny casello giovanni avalos cj WK dad one dan variable first to home s akuma mitchell niles midwest gaming dimitri sofiridis vince marquette dallas bailey roz weiss nick stango hanzo our two-time national champion vincent zen sarah maria sunny top cut podcast alex ahern philip campa jalen haskins arale melfi slump kang petty Chris Lynn and our newest Patreon member, uh, Jeff Luang. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, thank you guys again. We really appreciate the support. And let's get into these questions. So one of them comes from Quest and it says, favorite deck you've played? Like just period. Favorite deck period? Yep. Uh, Infernity. Why is that? That's, that deck is so cool. <laughs> Wait, who asked this question? Did you say Quest asked this question? That's from Quest, yes. Isn't that Quest's favorite deck? It actually is Quest's favorite deck. I'm glad you pointed that out, Kenny. That he loves that fucking deck. <laughs> Name yeah. another deck in Yu-Gi-Oh where you have to be like, "All right, hold up, I got to get rid of all this advantage." Real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he definitely do got to go like minus to go it, plus. It's just so backwards. It's just fun to play. It is. There's mention, yeah. There's nothing quite like it. I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, no, I that that deck's so fun. There, there's so many like I remember. I was I just randomly build it from time to time. Even now, I'll just throw it together. Yeah. Now it does. You go through three Saryujas, draw four each time, put one back, try and find the next starter special summon out of your hand, and it's like a 500 part combo. But you just 
the whole time you're like, all right, let me get rid of these cards. Yeah, no, so, Infernity definitely, nothing quite plays like it. And I think that is actually cool to think about, which I really haven't thought about until this very moment, like how different it is from all of Yu-Gi-Oh's history. It's like the one yeah. deck where going minus is the goal. Um, okay, so this one comes from Vinny Casello. Uh, you know Vinny, another Delaware Let's native. Vinny. Yep. I love Vinny. Vinny says, uh, can you remember your favorite match, like who it was, and um, like what, what were the decks? Your favorite match. Um, if you want me to be completely honest, Frazier, and this is not because, like, for you, but it's actually online. It was a light sworn mirror, you oh. and me. Oh, God. And it was at a regional at Days of Nights. Oh, my God. Is this, it's online? It is online. What the fuck? Frazier, like... This must be, this might just be a repressed memory, but I have never drawn so well in my entire <laughs> life. My hand, it was a light swarm here. My hand was so good that I monster a born Necro Gardener and set Crush card. Oh no. No, it, was, I, it definitely is a repressed memory. Yes. No, it was like a three minute long match. It had to be like in 2009 or some shit, right? Like it had to be It was so long ago. I, but that's the only time I remember like because people sometimes ask me, they're like, what's the best hand you ever had? And I was like, sorry, Frazier. I got to tell him. <laughs> that was uh, that was the craziest I match I think I've ever had where I'm literally using Monster Aborn to bring back Necrogarna just so I can crush cards. If, if I type in on YouTube like Fraser Smith, Cory Roca, Yu-Gi-Oh, you think it might come up? It'll 100% come All up. Alright, I'm gonna watch it after this uh, after this podcast because now I'm interested and I definitely, like you said, repressed memory for sure because losses where, like, remember how I talked in the beginning of this podcast, losses where you just get fucking destroyed, like it's not even yeah. close are the funniest thing to me. Like you said, it's a three minute match. You just kind of sit down and it's just destruction i used a different it, word it, earlier it even makes sense destruction yes. uh okay so uh i think there's only okay wait let's see where do you have dominic roberts says are you aware that you dissolved the black and brown relations with ycs atlanta by being the first <laughs> caucasian to win it <laughs> i'm the bridge what can i say i'm yeah. the bridge you're the first you're the first person who's not a minority to win ycs atlanta that's interesting that's um, so crazy. Yeah. I remember you telling me that. I told too. you. It was like, like, how does it feel to be white and a YCS champion? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Like YCS Atlanta, it literally went. So before me, it might have been like Jerry Wang or something, who's also a minority, obviously. But then yes. it was me. Then it was uh, Marie. Mar mm, I don't want to say his name wrong. Henderson. Marcus Henderson or Maurice Henderson. Marcus. Okay. Yeah. M one of those. Mar I'm Something Henderson. And then after yes. that, it was Christian George's. And yep. then it was you. So yeah, you you broke a long line of uh, minority winners in Atlanta. I don't know how you mustered the the strength to do it, but when I saw the finals was you and Dan Cunningham, who also is Caucasian. I was like, man, it, this is the one year where it's not going to be. This is the one year. Yeah, the one year. But that's dope. That's so funny. Um, oh, also I missed one in 2016. I believe uh, Jose. I forget his last name. I don't know how to say his last name correctly, so I'm not even going to try. But Jose won 2016 Atlanta. He's also already but yes a long what, long what line 2018 because was there an atlanta 2018 there was i actually played paleozoic and bubbled okay uh i'm gonna look it up because i i am genuinely curious myself so let's see okay so 2018 uh the finals of ycs atlanta 2018 are underway and it looks like the blessing who's black played against somebody named jeremy mitchell who's black so it was a black guy mirror match and the guy jeremy mitchell actually won with pendulum magician 
Uh, so right after you, it continued with, you know, Black Domination. But yeah, but yes, you that's kind of so broke it up. Crazy. You were you were like you said, you were the bridge. But uh, yeah, that's actually really interesting. OK, so that was that question. And let's see, what else do we have? Uh, OK, this is the last one. So Dominique also says, and this is a good one to kind of end it on, too. Like, what would you tell yourself like the the version of yourself from when you were 24 what would you tell yourself if you could go back right before you hit post on that on that particular message um deep breathing be <laughs> calm yeah like uh I, it's dude, it's it's eight years like it's actually like eight years ago so yeah. it's like the amount of of a different person i am now compared to then I don't even think I would have listened to myself if I got to go back in time. Like I was so strong headed and just, yeah, so, I, know, I know exactly what you're describing. There's no way I, I don't, I, I think I still would have said the same thing that I said because I wouldn't have listened to me because I wasn't interested in listening to what people had to say. Yeah. I was just interested that was in me too. myself. That was yeah. literally me too, Corey. Not even, I, I, and it's funny you say that because literally over the course of Thanksgiving week, um, me and Kenny had a conversation about that because there was an incident that happened with like me and another friend. And like what you're saying literally is it's me. It's like a reflection of myself too. I would not have listened The 24 year old me would not have listened to the Frasier that I am right now. Like it just, yeah. I just, I know, I know myself that well. I know how unchecked like my ego and my anger was at that time. Uh, and how unapologetic I was more than anything. Like I was super yeah. unapologetic. Like I, would not feel bad about anything that I said or did when I was younger. Cause that's just like how fucking bad it was. Like I was just unapologetic about everything. And like now, like I'm just not that person anymore. Like I'm just things to me, it's, it's worth more. And to have the peace of mind to know, like, it's not that deep. Like I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to like resentment and hatred. I let that go. And if I continue to live my life where like, I'm in this unapologetic, I'm right. And like, you're wrong. And like, if I just continue to hold on to like those types of things, like I can't grow as a person, but also it just keeps me in like a state of, you know, my own misery, like your own personal hell. Um, It really is. Absolutely. But yeah, that's an honest Um, answer to say like yourself, your younger self, even though you would tell yourself like, you know, debrief, calm, do not like, obviously don't fucking do that. You know that like your younger self would have been like, all right. So anyways, I wasn't listening to anyone, including myself. Yeah crazy yeah. but that's that's life that, that's the interesting thing about life i will say this as i like to put a to put a uh, to wrap it up and kind of put a bow on this whole thing i do hope that konami uh allows you to play Yu-Gi-Oh again uh i for one genuinely genuinely believe that you are not the same person you were eight years ago um i i don't think that uh the community is in danger or anything you know having you around i think that you are actually a, a pleasant person if people get to know you you're very funny uh, and also just very competitive. And I think that that is something that, you know, it's, it's, I love having a lot of competitive people around and everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has done their dirt. Fortunately for other people, their dirt wasn't broadcast and reposted a million times to the world and like that type of thing. And I always say that like a lot of us are lucky that our worst moments were not broadcast to the world because we've all had some fucking shitty moments in our lives and we just had the fortune of not having it be plastered and uh judged at that as that is who you are as a person so uh, absolutely that, yeah so that's kind of the last thing i wanted to say about that but yeah it was a pleasure having I really you on appreciate this you saying that like honestly i do 
that means a lot to hear. I don't from uh from then to now. I'd obviously like the people on the outside looking in. Granted, we've known each other for a very considerable amount of time, yes, but for the people looking in, you know, I don't. As far as my Yu Gi Oh career, which I mean, it 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 was it was a great ride for sure. But yeah. now I'm like. I'm looking at them like the only thing I would love to do is go to world. So if I were to compete again, I would a hundred percent be doing the world's grind. Yeah. Um, but above all, my, my kid is six, right? So like he's starting to be like, I want to collect Pokemon cards. I want to collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yeah. Like I would now being a father, that would mean the world to me to be playing in the main event and then my son is playing in the dragon duel event and then after each round like it's what dreams are made of and then you you go and talk to each other talk about your rounds and everything like that like that is like that's what i want like that's yeah. genuinely what i want you know yeah that's no. an interesting interesting consequence when you think about it like it's been so long you got kids now and yeah. keeping you banned like even if you don't want to play anymore keeping you banned inadvertently it like bans your kids in a weird way because like yeah. you're the one that's got to take them there yeah, um, it is strange to think like not strange but it is interesting to think about um you know they, they say things like and this is not directed at Corey, but i've heard this recently actually like the sins of the father like affect the child right like that yes. but again i still i hard disagree with people who judge someone at their lowest point especially especially like this is not something that happened yesterday this is not something that happened two years ago this is not something that happened fucking four years ago this is not something that happened five years ago this is something that happened eight years ago and this is something that happened when someone was in their young 20s and i just firmly i just firmly know that i personally like i have a stake in this because i personally would not want to be judged at my lowest point because i have some very dark low moments but again some of them are with like my family and no one else knows about it. And some of them are like with friends and no one else knows about it. And that, and again, that's fortune that it's like that, but to have a kid now, your whole world has changed. And like the things that were important to you before and the things that would make you angry then do not necessarily drive you and make you angry now. Or like, you know, you, you've changed like your mindset of like what matters to you and looking at your kid who's like, I want to collect cards now definitely makes you think like, damn, I really would love to do a Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. thing with you. Like no matter how big or how small, even if they didn't want to be as competitive as you were, like it would still just be fun to relive and watch them grow up. Yeah. In that. I'll probably never want to play like as hard as I did before. Uh, I don't think any of I, us could ever do that again. I, I'm, I'm too old. Yeah. <laughs> like to be frank, it just, we just have different responsibilities now. I just, yes. I personally have a lot more responsibility. And now that I've stepped into like, this content creation space, this shit is time consuming. It is, oh, I'm sure. it is time consuming. Like doing the, po- not in it, it is crazy. Cause like doing a podcast is one thing and that does take up a considerable amount of time. But on top of that, like I've also just recently started a new series where like me and Kenny's cousin are going on dueling book and playing people and recording it and just discussing the plays before we do them and stuff like that. And that is now taking up time. And it's just like, I don't know why I'm adding stuff to my plate when I already have so much going on, but that's just how I am as a person. I feel like if you don't, if you don't do something with your life, like what's the point of having it? So sure. uh, I'd rather be busy say, than bored. Oh, no, I'm, I'm done. Busy I wanted to say one, one more thing on that, on that note of the ban or whatever. I, I, I don't know you and uh, I don't even really know the full context of the story. And so without that context, I'll say that 
you said that the ban was for three years, and I'm the kind of person that I think that r- whatever it is, if somebody gets issued a punishment, if the punishment is served, like in my mind, what that means is that you serve the three years pass, and then that three years is almost a probation period to say you can't do anything for three years. But and if you're still an asshole three years later, <laughs> if you're doing this shit three years later, that's why you get denied. So if three years pass that you serve the time period, and then if you look at the person, you go, okay, there's been no more infractions. I don't understand. Like to me, I, I never, I've never agree with punishing somebody after they're punished. Like I don't agree with the yeah. fact that felons yeah, I, aren't allowed to vote for president. Like I, like. You went to prison, you did your time in jail. Why can they not vote for president? They still live in this country. They're still part of our yeah. our system. Yeah. So I don't ever agree with punishing somebody after they've been punished. And so, yeah, that's that's my take on it. But one thing I'd like to add to that is if so, I mean, I mean, this is as honest as it gets. You could probably tell after I say it um, after that comment that I made in 2014. If I was Konami, I would have permanently banned me. That's what I was going to... I was going to say that, but I didn't want to say it. I I swear to God, I was literally going to say that exact thing. If they wanted to ban you forever, right? If the intent was like, we're not going to unban this person, then just make it known from the onset that don't give me three years. Like, just ban me forever. And that way, I know what it is. You know what it is. And we can... I can move on. And there's not like this... um, this kind of limbo that you're in right now. And Correct. this is not like an attack on Konami. Like I'm sure that they had a reason for doing like a three year and then a reevaluation and all that stuff. But at the same time, sure. it's just like, if you felt like you don't want to unban someone and this goes for everyone who's been banned and then they have not been unbanned. Like if you felt like you didn't want to unban the person, I, I just feel like either update the, the list to say like permaban or something or like update it. I've seen people get their thing extended. Like I've seen people reach the deadline, like they've served years and then it's, it'll just add another year to it. And like, okay, like for whatever reason, that's yeah. what you guys felt like was necessary, but to, for it to be like, okay, this is expired. And now this person is still a band. I'm not exactly, I personally don't understand it, but I'm also not on the band committee, but I agree with what you initially said is like, if yes. you felt like I should be permaban, then like, just do that like just actually just do that yes that way now, there's no question right but then the other takeaway is all right so you didn't ban me in 2014 for the egregious thing that i said mm-hmm. it's then in 2018 i obviously was not any harm causing any harm to any person to anything you know yeah. during that that time period um it's interesting when you think in, about in it. In a dangerous sense, I guess I should say. In yeah. a dangerous sense, you know? Yeah. Like, if you think about it, yeah, if somebody says something in 2014, and then four years later, like, they've never acted on it, they've never made any, like, um, no notion threats, that... Nothing. Yeah, yeah, like, no nothing that made me think that, like, they're actually going to act on it. I, I don't... I really don't see the... Uh, I see, I can understand, like, you issue a punishment, right? I, I get, like, you're saying, oh, this is something that maybe they didn't know about. Maybe we weren't aware that this happened, and, like, we found out about it four years late or whatever, and, like, okay, we want to still punish you for this because this is a punishable thing, but after that time is served, like, if you want to, if punishment is always, in my head, to be rehabilitative, so do you think that three years, like, at, at, from speaking from Konami's perspective, do they think that three years was the rehabilitation period because if not then like why not make it longer if if you do think that that was the appropriate amount you guys gave three years for a reason i would hope then like three years is done yeah now I, like now I would what are say we doing? after serving my three-year sentence i would literally never do anything to jeopardize the privilege that 
I was like, I didn't look at it like a privilege. It was like, oh, I'm just going to go play some Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, yeah. it really is like when I have a tough day now and I'm like, man, I'm just going to go, you know, I, it, I, man, I had a horrible day, but you know what? It's cool. I got a regional this weekend. That'll take my mind off. it. Yeah. I had to relearn and restructure my entire way of thinking because in a way, Yu-Gi-Oh card games in general was my escape. Yeah. You know, so oh, I totally get that. Yep. So re, I, I don't know. I, in a way, I'm. I, I mean, I am here now. Uh, I, I would say the three years made me a better person. Yeah, I don't think also time in general. Like, yeah. even 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 past, like, the three years. Like, in general, I think that people grow and evolve and change. And we should all be given the room and the grace to do so. And that is that is kind of, like, my final thoughts on this whole thing. Is that just give people the room to grow and have grace for their mistakes. We all, literally everyone, has made mistakes. Um, and I just think that like, you should not judge people based off of their lowest moments because if you can do that to someone else, then do the same thing to yourself. That's how I feel about that. All right. Well, uh, guys, as I always say, do the things that make you happy and Corey, uh, well, I feel like you've already kind of given your, like your closing thoughts, but I do genuinely hope that Konami reconsiders your ban. Um, and I would love to see you playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again with your kid and like in general, like doing the world's grind, maybe going for your goal of becoming, you know, a world champion or going to worlds. And that would be that would be dope to see like in the future. So hopefully the future holds something nice for you. And if nothing else, like uh, congrats on the kid you have on the way. Congrats on your marriage. And also uh, good luck on your professional bowling career and everything. I hope that that works out really well for you. I hope that you do get to oh, add that trophy definitely. to your uh, YCS yeah. title. I would love that. Yeah. All right. Uh, If that is everything, I think we're going to get out of here. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.
Thank you.